Hello and welcome to Essential Alchemy. Alchemy is defined as the power or process that changes or transforms something in a mysterious or impressive way. My hope is that the information in this podcast can help you transform your mood, your energy, physical health, or even connect some dots to help you shift your mental or emotional state. I'm your host, Jody Cohen, a best-selling author, award-winning journalist, functional practitioner, lifelong learner, and founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, a company that sells proprietary blends of high-quality organic or wild-crafted essential oil remedies designed to help you return to your ideal mental, physical, and emotional state. You can find out more about me and my company at VibrantBlueOils.com. And with that, let's get started with today's episode. Hello, I'm Jody Cohen, your host, and I'm so honored to be joined by one of my personal mentors and favorite people, Leah Zachariah. She is the owner of three successful yoga studios, uh, two in Seattle, one in my neighborhood called Hot Yoga Queen Anne, one in a neighboring neighborhood called Shefra, and an amazing hotspot in Venice Beach, also called Shefra. Uh, she's also the author of this unbelievably vulnerable memoir that we're going to talk about scene and the founder of, um, yeah, how do I say that? Sindutsu? Sindatsu. Sindatsu Evolution, uh, which I, I did her first teacher training and it's evolved amazingly since there. She holds teacher training, leadership programs, retreats, and other programs in her free time. She loves to dance, travel, go to the movies with her daughter. And um, just a little backstory, she opened Hot Yoga Queen Anne in the summer of 2009. That fall, my son started preschool, my daughter started kindergarten, and I had free time for the first time ever. And as all the moms dropped their kids off at kindergarten and were crying in the playground, someone said, we should go to that new hot yoga studio. I had never been. I went, it changed my life. I did your yoga training. And then when Max died, um, I didn't know what to do. And so I just showed up and kind of, I decided I could cry on my mat the whole time, but I, it was the most amazing, most healing. Like I really do think that yoga and, and your studio got me through my darkest hour, my darkest days. So thank you and welcome. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So beautiful. So you you have so much wisdom and beauty to, and knowledge to share, but I want to start by asking you, how do you define resilience? It's such a powerful word, you know, a powerful thing. Resilience is, you know, just getting up over and over and over again and and staring, you know, failure in its eyes and learning from it, right? Because I think so often when we are in a place of failure or things don't go our way, we can easily just like want to just stay down. And for me, I'm always like, how in whatever situation I, I'm in, how can I get back up again and again and again? And what did I learn from that? And or how did I contribute to whatever the situation is? And how can I be better the next time? And so resilience for me is just constantly being adaptable, willing to look at yourself, willing to make changes, willing to evolve, willing to listen, willing to see yourself. And, you know, it's, it's a really a self reflective process is resiliency. 
Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're kind of the poster child of resilience and this book seen, and even the word seen, um, you know, you said by allowing myself to be seen, I gave others the inspiration and permission to be seen. And then you, you seen means so many things. It's kind of like seeking validation from others. And then at one point you say, what is seen cannot be unseen. So can you speak a little bit about the book, the title, the intention? Yeah. So I, I wrote that book because I wanted to reach people potentially beyond the yoga mat, right? So I've been teaching yoga for over a decade decade now, and I know that not everybody else, not everybody's going to come onto the yoga mat. So I wanted to, I wanted to write down in words on a book to potentially reach a bigger audience because I feel my mission in the world is to help people live their truth, right? And so I proclaimed that I wanted to write this book and and really what it was about was to truly show myself right to let myself be seen to stand in that face of vulnerability and and all of my mess and all of my glory so that people could identify with with my story and i and and a lot of people did in that way it was just like me too right so like i didn't cure cancer i didn't do anything profound it was really just being vulnerable with my honest truth. And I'm a story of many people's stories. And I wanted people to have a chance to have that moment of like, oh my gosh, me too, me too. I've been through that. I've, and, and thank you for allowing that, that to have permission for that, you know? And so that was really the goal behind it is just for people to see my own vulnerability and inspire them to, to do the same. And, um, and me by doing that myself was like, it was, it was, it was highly vulnerable, you know, to put myself out there and to, I mean, you, you read the book, I'm raw, like, even my, even my um, editors were like, you sure you want to put that in there? Yeah, like, how filtered do you want to be, you know, and I was just like, no, this is about being seen. This is about telling the, the raw realness of all of it. And, and I'm going to step into that light and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to filter to, to make myself, you know, look a little better, <laughs> you know? So that was a huge exercise for me. And I really had to come up against my own fears and my own um, worry of judgment. And, you know, and it was such a beautiful process because I just let myself walk through it. And then through that process, like the book, just, I was just on a quest of truth of, resolve of evolution and then I didn't even know how the book was going to end and the end who was one of the biggest truths of my life was revealed in this by writing this book yeah, and so was by, that's when you allow yourself to be seen when you allow yourself to see what you cannot you know when I say like you can't unsee what you've seen you know it's like when you journey on and you start to see things what are you going to do with it and you know, I mean, you can't unsee it, but you can, you get the choice to do something with it, right? You can, you can push it back under the rug or you can rise to the occasion and be, and, and, and do something with that truth of what you see and shift things around. So that's one reason you're, you're one of my role models. I mean, you really embody personal responsibility in every form and, you know, your family of origin was complicated. And yeah. so you just went out and were such an over- achiever for so long yes it was but that was that was my dysfunction right um and that's the thing that i 
one of the big realizations in my life is that, you know, because I had such a dysfunctional family, you know, my two sisters ended up going off the other way of like addiction and alcoholism. And, um, and yet I was like overachiever, overachiever. And, and in this society that gets accolades, that gets validation. And so um, what I realized though, through my journey of healing was like, I was just as dysfunctional as them, but, but in a societal way, I was, I was accepted and I was actually encouraged, but I was miserable. I was like a control freak and I was trying to keep everything just so, so that nobody could leave me, you know? And, um, and I was miserable. I was just, I was miserable. So I, you know, that's again, a lens that I hoped to show people as well is this like, you know, just because the outside looks all bright and shiny. And, you know, like when I was going through my transformation and leaving the corporate world and all of the things that I did, people literally thought I was straight crazy, right? Cause I looked the part, I looked so successful, but I was miserable just like so many, you know that are living living from that, that space, so. Well, I, I really, I mean, that was, that's my default too is to overachieve and also to overdo, like do things for other people thinking I was helping them, but not realizing that that, that really wasn't of service to them. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that, that we do. And especially even as women, because that's what we're trained to do is, is, is nurture and take care of. And so we're, you know, we're easily, you know, swayed in that way, in that way. And then you, Put, put a woman in a, a man's world, right? A corporate America man's world. Then you overlay overdoing and doing stuff for others, as well as trying to keep up with the role, you know, and of a man and also like being, feeling that valued or equal to um, that. So there's a lot that can go, <laughs> that can they, that, that layers on, on, on that when we over, over function. One thing that, yeah. Right? highly over-functioning. Well, and you've been amazing in your boundaries. You say at one point that you lost some relationships, some voluntarily, some involuntarily, some people came back. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. And I think that that's ultimately one of the reasons why people resist transformation or change is because we're afraid of rejection, right? We're afraid that we're going to lose love we're afraid that we're not going to be lovable. Um, and so we just hang back and say, you know what, I'll just rather stay back here and for the risk of not being rejected or losing love. And so that was one thing that I just had to walk through. It was just like, yes, some people were going to not want to be around me anymore. And, um, and so those were the, you know, the voluntary people or the involuntary ones that people were like, nope, I'm going to go to this side. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, be friends with me anymore. Um, and then others were, it was a huge choice on my end for a lot of the relationships that I ended because they were, they were highly dysfunctional. And one of being, which was my journey with my mother. And so it was, that was just such a difficult decision, but one of the biggest things that set me free in my whole life. And this thing that I learned about this is that that's, that's the process of uncovering the truth though, is that we have to really look at the relationships that we're in because we've heard that before. You are who you hang around with. You are, you know, the, 
the people that are in your life or that are feeding you and projecting on you what you what you are is what you become and so i really had to look at each and every relationship that i was in i'm like is this true for me now is this was this true for me ever and is this healthy for me even if it is from my own family right and, and and that is so hard for so many people because we're taught you know respect your mother and your father at all costs you know whatever um but for me i was just like no i really want to be able to have i'm an adult now i'm an adult human being that gets to now make a decision of what's healthy in my life and not to say that i'm not grateful those for those people that came in my life because they taught me so much and how to be but that doesn't necessarily need mean I need to be in relationship with them still. And so that was a huge acceptance and, and some a philosophy that I embodied that I was like, this is this is how I'm gonna forge this path is I'm, I'm literally gonna have the relationships in my life that I feel are true for me, healthy for me, and not with malice, not with, you know, um, not with anger, with full forgiveness and actually gratitude, um, but, and no, <laughs> like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in their life. And so interestingly enough, I went through that journey. I, you know, some people did come back around and that's, and that's the beautiful thing. It's like they, anytime, anytime somebody leaves or it leaves in your life, it's going to be a, a mirror. And that's what I realized. It's like those mirrors where people are like, well, she's leaving my life what is it that I've done? You know, they have to almost look at themselves of like, why, what's going on? And, and that jars people. Like everybody's just like, no, just stay here. Just stay right here because that means everything's PC. Everything's fine. We don't have to change. But the moment somebody shakes something up it makes them look at themselves. And then they, again, you can't unsee what you've seen, but what are you gonna do with what you see? And so again, some people just like, it's better just like, just disregard her. Like she's, she's off her rocker, you know? Um, but then when they come back around and then they see by me living my truth and doing what I was supposed to do, they're just like, they come back around and they're like, oh my gosh, I so get it. And I'm so sorry, you know? And then the people that, you know, didn't come back through, it's like, it, it literally just has set me free. Like it, it I, I look at some of the relationships that I was in for so long that were just soul sucking, you know, energy depleting. And we do that so often again, because we're afraid and we also just don't want to hurt people like our inherent nature is not wanting to hurt people. But ultimately it all, it all ends up what it's supposed to be. And really, um, you know, for me, the willingness to have the boundaries and have the people that are in my life that are that are most supportive has really allowed me to see that you know those are the people that are going to love me and that do love me and accept me and, and those are the people that should be in my life and the ones that don't again like i don't have malice i i literally don't i don't have I, I i i just move on and i just let people be what they want to be um, yeah and, 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 and people are in their own stuff. Like they, you know, they can do their own work, you know, and if they want to come back around, I'm here. Like I've always said that. I was like, I'm here, I'm ready. But until then I'm have the boundary because that's what's healthy for me. I mean, it was amazing. You talked about your, your childhood sweetheart who became your husband. When you got this amazing promotion, instead of being happy for you, he was jealous and he was worried that that would 
you know, that he'd never catch up. Mm-hmm. That, that, or even the way your stepfather like was always trying to bring you down. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, and what I, what I learned from that is just, you know, people have, people are in a lack based mind, right? So that, you know, unworthiness, right? So it's, it wasn't anything my ex-husband, you know, he, yes, he was jealous and yes, he was unsupportive. And, and, but really like I saw, you know, like I revealed in the book, it was just like, it really is about having, they have their, their own lack of self-worth, right? Yes. Just like in the four agreements, right? Don't take things personal. <laughs> yes. So nothing anybody does is because of you. So for, for me, of course, at that time, because I wasn't where I am now, took it personal. But now it's like, I can see it's like, that was just where they were. And that was their own lack of self-confidence that didn't allow them to be supportive of me or wanted to bring me down. Uh, and that's why it's so important that we have to do our own work to create, to, to cultivate our own self-worth and our own bravery and our own courage. And um, that, yeah, that, that deservedness of like, I have the right to be here. I have the right to have good things in my life. I have the right to be loved. I have the right to have this promotion. You know, I have the, the right to live the li- my life the way that I want to live it. Um, but that is cultivating your worth. And if you don't, you're, you're going to get whittled away down into the, the sludge. And then, and then, then it's like a downward spiral from there, you know, and then you just start doing dangerous things to try to measure up, you know? Yeah. And the thing that really shines through, I don't want to give away the, the ending because it's exceptional, but you know, th- this betrayal at the end, you're so clean you really lean into the pain. And then you write this beautiful letter that kind of, is so compassionate and so not blaming, so not judgmental, and so taking ownership for, you know, how you might have played into it. It, it blew me away. Like, can you just kind of speak to that? Yeah, because I think this is this is probably one of the most important concepts of, of my entire book is compassion and and really looking at your contribution to the situation. Because I think we are so easy to point fingers and you know, to want to place blame. And it's so interesting because I was just having a conversation with a friend today of like having the victim mentality. And it's so easy to be in the victim mentality because A, we're programmed that way to like be in a fear and a lack-based place. So we're already being like, of course this happened to me because there's already not enough. And so I'm not enough. So of course this is going to happen to me. But then, so there's that side because this is already programmed into us to already go into that victim mentality. But for me, a big side of this, the second side of this is that if you t- if you go into the victim role, then that means you're saying, I don't have any responsibility to what just happened to me. And so it's everybody else's fault. So I'm going to stew in this crap forever because they put <laughs> it to me, right? And, um, and, and then I don't have to do anything about it. And for me, it's like, no, this was a huge thing in my leadership and what I do in all my leadership and all my relationships. And this is what ends my own suffering and that, and that like angst and anger and, and the resentment is like, what did I do? How did I contribute to this situation? Where could I have done better? And 
where from my hurts and my own dysfunction did this cultivate? And, and big point here, and it's not to condone the behavior because I did not condone the behavior of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. However, I understand that I had a part in where, how we got to where we got and why he did what he did. And because I saw myself, because I saw myself, I could have compassion for him, right? Because I too contributed to the dysfunction and to the, to the ultimate betrayal because of my own stuff. And so from there, when you can see yourself and say, yeah, I did, I, I had a part in this too, then you can lean more into like compassion because you can, you want your, you want that same compassion back. Yes. And then, and, and then also it just leaves it in a place of like, again, not being the victim and just like, I love you. I'm sorry for you, you know, and, and I'm sorry for what I contributed to that situation. And you can go now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, right? and, I mean, ultimately, and you can go now, like, yeah, like physically, emotionally, spiritually, set me free. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hold on to that because I don't want, I don't want to live in the past. Yes. Because living in the past and that's again, that same victim mentality holding is where the disease manifests and, and, and sits and will keep you from manifesting your future and bringing you into what you're supposed to bring in your life's purpose. The other thing that you talked about that I thought was incredibly brave was leaning into the pain. You say pain is never permanent. The sensation subsides. We just need to be willing to feel it. Mm. And I think most people don't know how to feel it. And I I use yoga to feel it. So I'm wondering if you can talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) So fun. I love that when the universe just kind of brings, I was just talking about this last week in in my classes about um, feeling pain, because again, ultimately our psyche wants to protect us right and because our psyche goes to this place of right away of catastrophic mind that oh my gosh if i do this 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 and this is going to happen failure is going to happen blah 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 and i might die right and so we ultimately we go we go there like it's so subconscious but it's like we go there Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing with pain. It's like, oh my gosh if i feel this pain this pain might not end and then i'm going to die because I can't handle the pain, right? Mm-hmm. So that's an exercise that I do so often is that when you recognize, if you feel this pain of like this heartbreak or this loss or whatever it is that you're going through and you recognize this is not going to make me die, literally. It's not, I'm physically not going to leave this earth if I feel this pain this will actually set me free if I lean into pain. And I think things like anger and pain and rage um, have gotten a bad rap. I am a huge believer that all emotions are need to be felt and leaned into because that's where, um, that's where you're set free. When we repress pain and anger and shame, that's when they, that's when they hold in your body and that's when they become dangerous because repressed anger and shame and pain manifest into disease or they, or they become dangerous and then you react and you fly off the handle and then you do something that you regret because those emotions need attention 
they need attention. And, and if they don't get attention, they're going to, if there's no, there's no way of getting around, they're going to come through in some certain way. And it's usually not a good way if you don't feel it. So for me, I have spent the, at least the last good five, six years training people to feel shame, rage, pain, to teach them that it's not going to kill them. It's actually going to set them free. Is that why you have people hold plank for like seven minutes or whatever it is? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it's an, I, 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 yes, I hold plank for at least two minutes, every single one of my classes. Um, and it's not about getting six pack abs. It's, it's literally to train your mind to feel the sensation, to let yourself feel into the emotions and not let your brain, you know, tell you that you can't, that, that you're not strong enough or that the, 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 or the pain's too much or the sensation's too much, right? We don't, you know, obviously in yoga, we don't want to be in physical pain, but like most, most of the time it's the mental anguish. It's the, it's the pain of your mind that's telling you, you can't do it. And so I'm trying to train people like, yes, you can. I mean, you've bear witness to me. Like I can hold it for a really long time because A, I'm not attached to when it's going to be over. And B, I just lean into the sensation. Listen, we've done so, we do so many hard things in our life. A two minute plank is nothing, you know, but it's like, but our brain can't wrap our, its mind around it because it's constantly in this process of, I can't, you know? Well, and the, the uncertainty too. And the uncertainty, I, the uncertainty of like, when is this going to be over? She's going to hold me here forever and there's no way I can do it. I'm going to die if I do, right? <laughs> there it is. There it is again. Oh my God, I'm going to die. If, this, if she holds me one second longer. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. And, and I also honestly ask myself that question anytime I'm up against pain or fear or anything like that. Is this, is this going to, will I die? And I'm like, and I always just chuckle at myself. I'm like, no, I won't. Like, just move through it, move, lean into it, feel the vulnerability, feel the sensation, feel it all and see that you might actually be able to do it. And it's actually really powerful and freeing, you know? So um, yeah, and it's, I just love bearing witness to people walk through that, walk through that door too, and just seeing what they can, what they can do. Cause we're powerful, powerful beings. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for it because we've been whittled away by the programs of the world. Can can you speak to I I've wondered yoga is yoga is the best thing I've ever done in my life, and it it shifts me in ways that I can't explain. And I'm wondering what why you think it's so effective. Because you're learning how to breathe. Because breath is your life if you're not breathing, you're not in this earthly body. So we don't give enough attention to our breath and yoga is a breath practice. So if you're constantly for at least an hour, hopefully every day, but even if you do it a few times a week, you're concentrating on your breath, you are living, right? It tunes you into presence. It tunes you into yourself and it, it it's the access point to feeling right? It's the end all be all of getting you, you know, when, when you feel like you can't do it, you take a breath, right? When you want to come back to a calm place, you take a breath. So, I mean, I, that, that's the secret. It's just like, we are, we learn to really breathe and like, 
it's like, of course, we constantly are breathing, right? Because it's, 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 it's like involuntary, right? Like we just, it just goes. And so, um, but when you put voluntary intention around it, then you're giving it some attention and you're actually doing it in a more mindful, connected way that it just opens everything up into, you know, we're, we're trying to get more present. We're trying to get more, you know, attentive, non-attached. We're trying to be in the moment. And that's what the, what the breath does. And by and large, most people do not pay any attention to breathing like ever, you know, because even if you work out, it's like, doesn't necessarily mean that you're paying attention to your breath other than it's like going faster or it's like harder to breathe. But like, especially the way that I teach my yoga classes is the first thing I say is the breath. I cue the breath. So, yeah. And I just think it, it, it moves and breathing moves energy, right? And when you start to breathe deeper, then it moves the energy even more, right? And so when you move energy, and through your breath, you free yourself. Yeah. And you and then you start to feel stuff. For me, yoga is about feeling. It has nothing to do with the physical posture. It is literally how do I get myself to feel more through my breath? Yeah. That's so true. I breathe through all my hard poses. Is is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think is helpful to share on living your truth or resilience? You know, one topic that I, I want to bring up is, and I think it's just really because this, I call myself a vulnerability seeker, is is the willingness to to be vulnerable, to sit in your truth, is to be exposed, to be seen as highly, highly vulnerable. And when I talk about vulnerability, um, Brene Brown is like one of my all-time favorite people, um, who is I've learned so much from her and. Even in my um, teacher trainings, we we read the book Daring Greatly, so that's kind of one of my little bibles. But so she is, you know, she was a significant influence even on the title of my book because in hers, she says about allowing yourself to stand up and be seen in your in your vulnerability. And so I, I'm I'm I like her, am now one of her little ambassadors of going out into the world and saying vulnerability is not a weakness, right? crying, feeling, standing your exposure is not weak. It's the bravest thing that you could do. And um, so I'm just on this quest for people to understand that, to, 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 to stand into vulnerability is to, to be in this place, to be willing to, be, to fail, to be messy, to not be perfect, to show yourselves, to live your truth. And uh, the more we can do that, the more we're gonna be free and the more, we'll actually be able to see each other in each other's relationships, like, you know, marital, personal business relationships. If we can be vulnerable with each other by asking for what we want, saying what we need, telling our feelings, you know, instead of holding them back, it's so courageous. It's so brave. And it's, it's so important. It's so important. Uh, so just demystifying, demystifying vulnerability, demystifying, you know, feeling, demystifying, telling people I love you, you know, like all that stuff is just vulnerable, you know, because why? Because what if I don't get it back? What if I'm rejected, you know, and just laying that all down and seeing that 
at the end of the day, the more vulnerable you are, the more you are truly creating that connection and compassion that we all want. And, and I, I will speak to this because I, you know, I feel like I'm a participant in your first studio. You're, the Venice studio is exceptional. I mean, the energy that you've created there is, is truly, truly unbelievable. And I, I strongly encourage anyone who's in Seattle or California to visit your studios. But for those who cannot, can you share how they can find you online and maybe take one of your online classes? Yeah, yeah. So um, I do online classes every, every week. So you can, you can go to any one of my three yoga studios and just go to the class page and um, sign up for an online class there. So that happens. I do new fresh classes um, two or three times a week. So that's a great way to access me if you can't get to Seattle or you can't get to Venice. Thank you so much for your brilliance and your courage. I, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. The light in me honors the light in you. I, I love you, Leah. Namaste. Yeah. Namaste. Love you. Thank you for listening. I hope this podcast empowered you with some useful information and takeaways. If you like this episode, please consider sharing a positive review and consider subscribing. I would also love to offer you my free parasympathetic toolkit as a gift just for listening. It will teach you how to activate the most important nerve in your body to turn on your ability to heal. This freak toolkit includes a checklist, a video, and a detailed guide. If this podcast prompted any questions, you can always find answers on my blog at Vibrant Blue Oils or in my book, Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. Until next time. Wishing you vibrant health.